Hey, Leading Learning listener, if you represent a membership organization looking for ways to expand your online course catalog rapidly with high quality content, we have good news. At leadinglearning.com AMA, you can find out how to make online training from the American Management Association available to your learners. Through a partnership between AMA and Tagoras, the parent company of Leading Learning, you can give your learners access to more than 70 e-learning modules covering essential business topics ranging from leading and innovating, to managing projects effectively, to working in hybrid teams. For details on how to grow your catalog with courses from a true global leader in management training, visit leadinglearning.com AMA. If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, we talk with Scott Wiley, who is president and CEO of the Ohio Society of CPAs, and he's also the new chair of the board at ASAE, the American Society of Association Executives. Before we get to that interview, though, we want to be sure to highlight our annual Leading Learning Symposium. This is an event designed specifically for senior leaders at organizations in the business of lifelong learning, continuing education, and professional development. The symposium takes place this year on October 24th and 25th in Baltimore, and we're really excited about the group of folks coming together for it. You can find out what the symposium is all about and see the great things that last year's attendees had to say about it by going to symposium.leadinglearning.com. We would also like to thank your membership, which, as the executive sponsor of the Leading Learning Symposium, is also the sponsor for this episode of the Leading Learning Podcast. You can find out more about your membership and its learning solutions at yourmembership.com. So, Jeff, tell us a little bit about the conversation you had with Scott. Well, this was a conversation I was really excited for for a couple of reasons. Um, one is that uh, the Ohio Society is known both in the CPA world and more broadly across the association sector as uh, being very innovative. So really wanted to talk with Scott about what the, the sources of innovation are at the society, you know, how they're making that happen, what his role as a leader is. And then as part of that, we started to really dig into the effort that uh, Ohio is making to really understand its audience and, and come up with new types of value that it's able to use to, to connect with and, and serve that audience. And just some some really interesting uh, stuff there that I think listeners are, are really going to want to tune into. And then, of course, you know, Scott is the, uh, the new chair of the American Society of Association Executives. And so we spent some time talking about the role of associations as kind of the leaders of what we've always talked about as a sort of third sector of education, that other 50 years concept that uh, we talk about a lot. And, um, you know, wanted to understand how Ohio is addressing that, but then also, you know, what is the potential role of ASAE and supporting associations uh, becoming much more appreciated in that role as leaders of the third sector. So, you know, really uh, fertile areas for discussion. Scott is just a, you know, very smart guy who's wearing multiple interesting hats, you know, all at once. So there was just plenty to discuss. Well, I look forward to hearing about those multiple interesting hats. Let's go take a listen to the interview.
This is Jeff Cobb with the Leading Learning Podcast, and I am very pleased to be joined today by Scott Wiley, who is the president and CEO of the Ohio Society of CPAs and also the new chair of the board for ASAE, the American Society of Association Executives. So, Scott, thanks so much for being here. Welcome to the Leading Learning Podcast. Thanks, Jeff, for uh, letting me be a part of the, the program today. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, as we're you know, rolling into our conversation, maybe just first to get you to say a little bit about who the Ohio Society of CPAs is and uh, you know, who you serve, what you do for them, and, and what your role is there. Sure. Well, the Ohio Society of CPAs represents more than 85,000 CPAs and accounting professionals who are really the strategic financial advisors to Ohio's leading businesses. Uh, we work with CPAs and accounting professionals in public and private companies, as well as nonprofit organizations of every size and sector. Um, and we work with them to really help be the, in, the exchange, if you will, between the business leaders who are really shaping the way the economy is moving and policymakers to drive initiatives such as fair and predictable tax environment in our state, and also to make sure that we have a state that is really a great place for people to bring a business, build a business, grow a business, as well as bring and grow a family. Um, so I serve as the president and CEO. I've been in that role for almost four years. And uh, our offices are based in uh, the state capitol in Columbus. And it's really a pleasure to certainly be with you, but to talk about the great work that our organization does and a little bit about the stuff that ASA has going on right now as well. Well, you definitely do great work, and, and I want to talk specifically about some of the initiatives that uh, Ohio is up to and really about the, the, the culture of innovation um, there. But, but before we do that, um, uh, I do also want you to talk a, a little bit about um, being the incoming chair for ASAE and sort of how you think about uh, your role there and, and what ASAE is, is up to these days. Well, there's ASA is up to a, a lot these days, and it's really you know an exciting time. You know, ASA's culture really embraces and frankly expects great governance. Mm. And associations like the Ohio Society, like ASAE, um, we operate in a very unique environment. You know, one where risk and opportunity exist side by side, if you will. And as the chair of the board this year, it's my responsibility to understand the challenges that our members are dealing with. And to do that, I want to make sure I'm front and center engaging them in discussions to better understand what are their challenges, what do they see as their opportunities, and where, where is the chasm that lies in between so that our organization can really help create solutions for associations and ASA members to thrive. So I've spent a good bit of time over the last month having those conversations, and I'll continue to do that certainly in the, in the weeks ahead. But um, the exciting thing about ASA is there is a culture for risk-taking. There's a culture for creating solutions that help associations thrive. And there's also a culture that making mistakes is accepted and embraced, and that's how we will create wins for the future. So it's really... Um, a real pleasure for me to serve in that capacity, and I'm excited for the year ahead. Well, it's great to hear that there is that culture there, that you feel that culture is there, because I know, you know, in, in recent years, there's been so much discussion about, uh, you know, the, the relevancy of associations, what role they, you know, really play in a world that's now infused with, with social media and, and so many different ways for uh, people to connect that, uh, you know, maybe replace uh, in, in some ways what associations have, have done in the past. But I know, I mean, it's great for you as somebody who's really on the front lines, you know, basically uh, in, in Ohio with the CPA Society 
Conti, who's taking risk yourself uh, uh, to, to be at the at the helm of the board for ASAE and, and, and informing that with your experience. And I know, or at least, you know, when I think of uh, the Ohio CPA Society, um, you know, in, in the world of CPA societies and really in, in the world of associations, you, you stand out as being a, a pretty innovative organization. I mean, you've got a, a lot of initiatives, uh, you've won awards, and certainly for your, your learning and education type initiatives, I know that's an area you've innovated in. So one thing I wanted to, you know, to ask you about is for the Ohio CPAs, uh, for you as an organization, what, what are the sources of, of innovation? How do you make that kind of innovation happen within an organization? Um, well, it, it's not a top-down thing. It's quite frankly, it's and it's not a bottom-up thing. It's an all-in thing. And by all-in, what I mean is, you know, I can give you the platitudes of, well, we hire the best people and we try to create the best culture, and those things are true. But it's a part of our DNA. And when I say it's a part of our DNA, that's that's not just a easier cavalier statement to make. It's really a part of the profession that we represent and that we want to help not only serve, but lead into its next great future. So like the association space, the accounting space is undergoing a significant amount of disruption, a significant amount of transformation. And in that environment, we recognize that leading accounting firms and leading businesses where CPAs and accounting professionals are employed those businesses and those firms are expected to not only be thinking about what the future has in store for it or in store for people, but also to help shape it. And those professionals and those employ and, and entities that employ those professionals are looking for a valued partner to help them in that work, to help them think about how they can create an environment where they can innovate, to help them think about what the trend lines are demonstrating to help them understand what's out around the corner before they get there so they can anticipate it. I think our role at the Ohio Society of CPAs is not to just provide programs, products, and services, if you will, a traditional association model, which quite frankly is really a retail model. And for anyone who's paying attention, retail ain't doing so hot right now. Mm. And instead, we have got to move from being an organization that's focused on, quote-unquote, member engagement to one that is focused on creating and delivering value to consumers. And I would differentiate those uh, in a couple key ways. Member engagement is important. I don't think it is the end-all, be-all for associations. Increasingly, there are too many people out there who are spinning this idea of member engagement, member engagement metrics, um, and how we monitor that as the end-all be-all that will create the holy grail or the big win for associations. I believe member engagement is a part of a value strategy, but it is not the end-all be-all. If associations can begin to better understand how it is they create and deliver value to those who consume associations' value, whether that's an individual member, whether that is an organizational member, if they're a trade group, or increasingly for us in the professional society space, it's a hybrid. It's a hybrid of the individual CPA professional who we are there to help them deliver content, career, and build a community for them and their, uh, their profession. But increasingly, it's the entities that employ them the entities that by delivering that value to individuals 
are also receiving value from their employees, so thus they count on us as well. If we can understand how we are creating and delivering that value, then in that moment, we are then able to figure out how do we capture that as an organization, and then how do we replicate it? Because if we can capture and replicate that value, then associations have the opportunity to rethink and repurpose their own business models for a new future. And that's a future where by understanding your consumers' needs, their challenges, and their opportunities, we're in a unique place to create and deliver value, thus providing solutions. If we can transform our organizations to do that, then we can create a viable future and we can win. And at the Ohio Society, we have undertaken a process to begin doing that better. Are we perfect? By no means, no. But are we getting better? Is that a part of our acumen? Absolutely. Everyone on our team, no matter what their role is, has a responsibility for this organization, an enterprise-wide responsibility for this organization. And that's easy for the leader to say. And I think that does get said often. But everyone in this enterprise also has accountability for making it happen. This is not an environment where I say, I don't know, to test people. I don't know because I really don't know. But I've got people here who can figure it out. Right, right. Well, and you're you're sort of pointing out what I'd love to dig into is, you know, I mean, let's take, you know, a specific initiative, for example, that um, that uh, the Ohio Society is known for. Um, We had Josh Goldman on the the show a while back. And one of the main things I asked him about was what you're doing with micro learning and the whole idea of, you know, 10 minute CPE and, uh, you know, the, the people can, you know, listen to something or read something for 10 minutes and actually get some continuing professional education credit for that. And that was seen as something that was really needed in the profession, just given the time constraints, I guess, that CPAs have in their lives, that sort of thing. And, and it was a real innovation. It still is a, a real innovation, what you're doing. How does, how does that kind of thing come about within a, an organization like yours? And, and what's, what's your role? I mean, did, did you help to foster that? Was that completely, you know, your staff coming to you and saying, we want to do this? I mean, how, how did something like that evolve? So that specific example, um, it's really a great story. So we were sitting in a meeting with our professions regulator and having a conversation about, you know, how do we ensure that the education and learning that professionals are receiving is high quality. And undoubtedly, it came around to the changes in the environment, the demographical changes, and not as many people are interested in sitting in an eight-hour conference or a four-hour seminar. And someone brought up the point, well, yeah, and you've got, quote-unquote, kids today who are, you know, learning things on YouTube and doing it on their phone and, and three and five and 10 minute segments. And someone of course scoffed at, well, you know, that'll never work in the accounting profession. And I was three months into my role and I just said, why not? Mm. And I kind of got the quizzical look of, well, you're, you're not serious, right? Now, flash forward, we in Ohio actually had a capacity to develop online learning to do so in a that was designed for mobile. We were having conversations about the change in our profession, about young professionals, and how do we encourage them to engage more? How do we encourage them to spend more time um, acquiring knowledge and information that builds their competencies up versus just sitting in a seat and letting the the education wash over them, which is what much of the CP environment had been and, and largely still is today. So we set out to say, well, 
what would this look like? So we brought together leaders in our technology team, our learning team, our governmental affairs and public advocacy team who works with the regulatory body, as well as um, other members of our staff to start saying, well, how could we build this out? So it was really a multi-pronged effort. Our government relations work folks began working with regulator bo- regulatory bodies. I started a conversation with national leaders on the learning front to talk about what were some of the best practices. Our learning and tech teams started moving inside of our organization to create a product that we could demonstrate because we knew that would be important to earning um, some approval of this. And we set out over what was ultimately a probably almost a year-long effort um, where we first introduced this concept, first got a little bit of you know, quizzical looks, and then said, well, bring us something we could talk about. The hardest part of this was drafting regulation, because this is a highly regulated profession. Mm. And so the regulatory community had to embrace this, or else this wasn't going to go anywhere. It would be one thing for us to have this product, but if no one could use it for the purposes they needed, it was going to go nowhere. Uh, we became the first state in the nation to have the regulatory body actually approve a rule change that allowed m- nano learning in increments as small as 10 minutes. So before in our space, you had to spend an hour on learning before you could get any credit. So if you spent 30 minutes, you couldn't get credit. If you spent an hour and 30 minutes, you could get credit. So we now have learning increments as small as 10 minutes, some 20, some 30. And it's not changed the nature of how our people are learning or acquiring knowledge. It's created an additive element to our learning environment. So conferences are still a part of our portfolio. Seminars as well. Other learning opportunities as well. Online, webinar, webcast, live uh, in-person sessions. But micro-learning is an added element. And what we see it doing is helping thread the needle on critical conversations we're having. So an example would be I'm getting ready to travel the state for a series of town hall meetings. Before and after those town hall meetings, we are offering our members access to 10 and 20-minute segments on critical topics that we'll talk about in that four-hour live event. Following that four-hour live event, we'll continue to thread the needle with this blended learning opportunity in smaller segments for people to continue those conversations, to dive deeper on topics they wanted to go into. So we see it as being a part of an additive element. But for us to get that done, we had to bring our entire team together. So when I say all in, that's what I mean, all in. Our public policy folks, our learning folks, our technology folks, and our marketing folks to really package that were part of that one example of innovation. And it's a pride point for this organization. It's a pride point for our board of directors to know that we are first and it's creating value. It's a pride point for our staff team to know that they saw the opportunity, they saw the need, and they were able to come together quickly and figure out how could this create and deliver value for our, for our people. And, and that's a real pride point for our organization. And when you create those wins... That gives you momentum. And when you have momentum, it gets your people excited. And when your people are excited, the conversation changes from one that's about, well, can you imagine to what if? And if you have a what if conversation, 
happening daily in your organization, then you're primed to innovate. Now, I, I, I wonder, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm inspired just listening to you, but uh, I mean, you mentioned a number of times there uh, the, the presence of the, of the regulators and, and the regulations. And, um, you know, I, I've noticed, um, and this may just be my particular perspective, but um, we've had a number of CPA societies on this show, um, and we seem to be, you know, writing continually about innovations, particularly in learning that are, you know, happening in the CPA world. I mean, not necessarily with all societies, but certainly there's a, a good crop of innovation going on there. I mean, is there a correlation between you being in this regulated environment and innovation happening, or is the, you know, asking why not and, and rallying the team? I mean, could, you know, should that really be happening in, in pretty much any sector with any sort of association? It should be happening in any sector. I would tell you, I think there are complexities that a regulated environment creates. That is not to say that all of those complexities are bad and are, are you know, available for bashing. I'm sure some of them are, and uh, I'm sure I've contributed to that. But, uh, you know, in a regulated space, I, I would tell you the regulation that happens in our space is focused on how do we ensure that quality and integrity and care are a part of the work that is really the hallmark of this profession that's about protecting the public interest. But in unregulated spaces, like the association community, if you will, um, I think you can create a what-if culture, a what-if innovative culture, by really focusing on where are we, where is the future moving, what do we see as the chasm that's really preventing us from getting there more quickly. And if we can better understand that, then I think we're in a position to really create opportunity. Well, maybe to, to pick up on that um what if theme, um, you know, because I, I think uh, the, there's a discussion going on out there now about, um, you know, the, the gap between the, the skills and knowledge that an employers need and those that the typical college graduate possesses. Um, and I know this is something you've discussed, you know, recently with Elizabeth Engel and, and, and Shelley Alcorn for their report. But there's a, you know, there's a what if in there. I mean, what if associations were the solution to that? What if they were the answer to the whole, you know, Workforce development and and lifelong learning issue that's out there right now. So so I'll, I'll just ask you know what what role do you feel associations can or should be playing to help address that sort of broader gap in the you know education and and, and learning opportunities uh, that are out there right now. Well, let me first by start start by setting the stage on this. Sure. Outside of the college and university, and I would use that in broad construct, college and university marketplace associations are the largest provider of workforce development and training in the United States today. So, I mean, I think folks need to absorb that. Mm -hmm. You think about professional societies, trade associations, outside of the college and university space, we are the largest provider of that workforce development today. So that what if is quite frankly already in play. Then you add on to that, certainly, the, the growing um, challenges that are going on in the college-university business model today, affordability, um, and you know, we've now moved into an environment where many are suggesting a college degree is not the requirement for a future workforce to define success. So if that is, in fact, the case, and if college universities are clearly not moving at the pace many believe they should be, to redefine what that business model looks like, it now creates a new opportunity that associations are well poised to slide into. And so what I think I see for associations, and certainly our own here at the Ohio Society is, 
um, we've got to understand that we are not just serving the profession or the industry. We are representing it. Mm. And to represent a profession or an industry, you've got to do a much better job of understanding it, of understanding the people who are part of it, understanding their needs, their challenges, and their opportunities. I know I keep saying those things. But here at the Ohio Society, our people have spent a considerable amount of time over the last three years doing external market research, traveling around our state, meeting with thought leaders, meeting with hiring managers, meeting with young professionals, meeting with people who hire our members to understand what it is that is shaping the nature of their work and what those needs, challenges, and opportunities are. And what we have come to determine in a very um, brief way of stating it is that CPAs are expected and are called upon to help businesses of all sizes, nonprofits of all sizes, advance to better understand how their business, their nonprofit, their entity works, how decisions are being influenced, what the numbers are telling them, and as a result, how to make better informed decisions. So with that in mind, the Ohio Society of CPAs is really a critical player in that. And our organization exists to advance the state of business. And I say state of business, I really mean both the big S and little s. Little s is the nature of how business works, and accounting is a critical part of that. Big S is the state of Ohio. Ohio is a driver in the, United, in the national economy and the global economy. In Columbus alone, we have six, uh, five, four, I'm sorry, six Fortune 500 businesses and 15 Fortune 1000 businesses, in addition to a large middle market and a thriving startup scene. And that's just in the city of Columbus alone. And then you catapult that across the state. Ohio is a state where business thrives and really moves. So this organization has got to do a better job of understanding how do we help the professionals who are part of it really advance the clients, the customers, and the organizations they're working with. To do that, we don't just sell them things. We don't just have them come to events, and we don't just teach them things. We've got to get into the community with them. We've got to understand how they're forming business relationships. What does the regulatory environment look like as they're working not just in their own space, but in their client space? And then we've also got to understand how is the talent they're attracting changing the nature of what their business model will look like and the markets they're trying to open. If we can do that, and if we can demonstrate to them that not only do we understand that, not only are we poised to help them be successful in it, but actually we're out ahead on them on a couple of those items and can shine some path on a future for them, then in those moments we demonstrate how we create and deliver value. And in every instance, that we demonstrate that, that is where we suggest to them we are a very valuable partner for their future. Because today, consumers have decisions to make, and they're not making them based on, well, 20 years ago, this organization was great to me, or 10 years ago, or 10 months ago, or 10 weeks ago, or 10 days ago. It's what can they do for me tomorrow? And so changing our mindset about understanding their yesterday to understanding their tomorrow is critical. And I think in the association space, as more and more associations are having those conversations, they recognize that the next generation of talent understands that too. The next generation of talent has the skills, but they need to have someone who can help shape them, needs to have someone who can help them incubate those better to be 
poised for the future. Associations are uniquely positioned to do that. Whether or not we step up to the plate and recognize that, I think that's going to be the question that defines the future of this community. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, the type of work that you've obviously been doing to, to truly understand the field, the business that you're serving, and then figure out how you then, you know, produce value based on that, I, I think is absolutely essential for any organization to be doing. But you'd made the, the point at the beginning, you know, as we were describing this as a what if that, uh, you know, in terms of workforce development, um, associations really are the major source. I mean, we've often talked about them as being the leaders of what we describe as a, a third sector of education, really. It's what we talk about as the other 50 years, you know, that happens after you leave higher education or whatever. The biggest segment of your life is really going to be served by trade professional associations more than anybody else. But it seems like, you know, they're not necessarily perceived as playing that role. Um, I don't think that your average person on the street, if you ask them, you know, what is the source of, you know, the major source of workforce development and lifelong learning in our country, people wouldn't automatically say, oh, it's trade and professional associations. I mean, do you agree with that? And and, and how how could we work to to make their role more visible and, and, and change that over time? I absolutely agree with it. And I think as associations and association professionals, we have to recognize that we contribute to people not thinking that. Mm -hmm. We've got to move from a space where we define the value proposition we offer as how big of a discount we give you on a product or service. We have got to change the dynamic of the value you get is by coming to something we're hosting. We have got to change our mindset about the best members are the ones who sign up to do things with us. Our mentality has got to become one that understands it's not about how people respond to us. It's how we choose to participate with them. Mm. And increasingly what we have learned is by understanding them, by understanding their business practices and approaches, we gain much more insight into what their concerns are, their fears are, and the opportunities are for them and, quite frankly, and us. So we surveyed our members as part of a market research uh, project three years ago and had phenomenal feedback on the value we provide to them, our advocacy approach, our communications, and our learning environment all had high 80s. We asked a question. The next question was, can you identify what your top three business challenges were? Consistently, no matter the demographic and no matter the industry, we heard the top three challenges were talent management, the ability to retain, develop, and attract key talent, the regulatory environment, both for the business I'm in and the client base I serve. And third was business development, this idea that CPAs and accounting professionals at all levels have some role to play in building relationships, whether that's at an engagement level, whether that's just in networking. But a high level of business development is critical. Okay, so talent management, regulatory environment, business development. We had high 80s on everything else. The follow-up question was, would you turn to an organization like the Ohio Society for help with those top three business challenges? 21% of respondents said they would. Interesting. Very 21%. Interesting. So there is a chasm between mm-hmm. an organization who has a high loyalty, who has high brand value for what it's been and what the needs are of the future. And that is also a 
threat for even the strongest of associations to understand what's gotten us where we are, what's propelled us to be successful all these years is not going to be what allows us to be successful in the years ahead. And for us, it was really leveraging this idea that we had a high brand value. We had a high degree of trust. If we could communicate what we were doing, why we were doing it, and demonstrate we had the capacity to actually execute, that we believed we could demonstrate we would become more value, more valuable than we had ever been. Now, we are early on that trajectory. Um, our organization has had a flatter declining membership over the last two decades. Uh, we had a 9.3% membership growth last year, so nearly double digit. The first time you know, in well over two decades we've had growth of any kind, uh, but certainly that significant growth in a long time. We've begun better understanding how, uh, as the education environment changes, we could create a greater level of value by being with our consumers instead of asking them to come to us. And in doing that, we're creating more deep relationships with more people inside of companies, with influencers inside of companies, where we can then see, hey, here's the thread by, of what we're doing, or where we've got some members doing, and the thread by what you're doing. And, you know, business development's a big piece of this conversation. How can we bring them together? And when you bring your members together to create wins for themselves and the companies that employ them, there is increasing value there because they think about how did we make that sale? How did we make that connection? How did we get that opportunity? It was through the Ohio Society of CPAs. Our role isn't to close the deal for them. Our role isn't to bring them the deal. Our role is to demonstrate in our community those opportunities exist, and it's too valuable to not be a part of. That, that's truly fascinating data that you were able to get about how your organization is perceived. And, and I think, or at least I hope, you know, listeners are getting a sense of, um, you know, how, how, how deeply you're trying to dig to, to really find the value and then come up with how you're going to connect with that value, deliver value, add to value as an organization and, and really be, you know, I threw out the word relevancy uh, way back uh, in the beginning of the interview. And uh, for my mind, there's nothing at all that's irrelevant about associations. It's a matter of just tuning into where the value really is and, and starting to connect with that better. And as, as far as that goes, I mean, we've been talking about Ohio, um, and I think, you know, you're, you're a model for so many organizations, but you, you've obviously now got a, a bit of a, a bully pulpit, uh, I guess, you know, as uh, the, the chair of the American Society of Association Executives. I mean, what do you see as ASAE's role or potential role in, in helping associations, you know, with this issue and being, you know, fully appreciated for what they're doing and, and, and doing what they're doing better in terms of, you know, workforce development, lifelong learning, really being the leaders of that third sector? Well, uh, you know, I, I need to own that I am biased in my opinion here, but I really believe that when you look at ASAE and the ASAE Foundation, what you have there is in the ASAE, you have the, the community's convener. And what I mean by that is when ASA speaks, not only do people listen, but people come together around an idea, a problem, a challenge, or an opportunity. And then with the ASA Foundation, you really have, because of their re re robust research agenda and the track record they're building, um, they, they are fast becoming the community's innovation incubator. 
Hmm. And by that, I mean the work that ASA has done as an organization itself in this area of you know scanning its own portfolio, determining what goes, what stays, what needs to be improved, and then creating an acumen for new product development. It's exciting, and it's something certainly we have leaned on here as we've undertaken our own work in that regard. But those two things together, you know, being able to bring the community together and being the community's innovation incubator, I think have positioned ASAE for, quite frankly, to lead what is really, I think, the community's renaissance. And ASAE's focus right now is how are we looking at the trend lines that we we're not only we're seeing, but we're anticipating coming down the pike? And certainly, you know, they're the same ones we see in our profession. You've got a massive shift that's going to happen in the profession. It's happening in all professions in terms of boomers retiring, a younger profession or younger generation coming in. What are the skills they need? What are the opportunities they need? How are we uniquely poised to um, to meet those? So you've got a lot of professionals who are looking for for learning in different formats. You've got opportunities to bring people together in cohorts to share best practices or, more importantly, create next practices. So I think the work that ASA is doing in that space uh, is garnering a lot of attention and is starting to demonstrate for the associations who are part of the community that with ASAE, it's not just how we help develop our people. It's really carving out a path for our associations to really look at those next practices and determine what's the path we go down. And, you know, a great example of that is the work that ASA has been doing for the better part of a decade, but it's really started to get a lot of traction in the last three to five years around diversity inclusion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everyone knows the stats um, about our workforce becoming much more diverse, gender, multicultural, ethnic, uh, socioeconomic status, you know, and a whole host of other areas. But what ASA has really demonstrated beyond the diversity element of that is how do we build a more inclusive community, an inclusive community that invites people in, an inclusive community that brings together the best thinking and creates a forum for that best thinking to really transform communities, to really transform how people think about things, how people interact with one another, but more importantly, how people can come together to create beneficial opportunities for this community, for the professions they serve, the industries they represent. And I I think that's where ASA has really set the bar high and is really leading by example. Well, and I think that is incredibly important work. Uh, it, it, you know, from from my bias perspective, from the field of learning, I know that uh, diversity um, is, is fundamental to to better learning. It, you know, it's sort of the the um, the, the mass uh, level um, better learning, better innovation to to have diverse uh, uh, perspectives contributing. So, I applaud uh, ASAE for what it's doing there. And certainly, um, Scott, you're you're a person who's in a you know very interesting role at a at a very interesting time, both with ASAE and with uh, the Ohio Society of uh, CPA. So really appreciate you being willing to, to share your perspectives and your story. And, and, and before we you know, sign off for today, um, because this is the Leading Learning Podcast, uh, one thing we do always like to do is ask guests, you know, what are some of your own learning practices and, and habits that you know, kind of keep you on top of your game, keep you going where you want to go in life? Um, so there are three things that come to mind. Um, I try to um, 
digest as much information as I can before 8 a.m. every day. Um, so I do, I would tell you 90% of the articles I read, um, the podcasts I listen to, uh, the tweets I, div- I, I, I explore, I get before 8 a.m. because then I've got to get moving with them and put them to use or else I find that I don't. Um, second, I try to make sure I'm reading, um, different things. So I used to get hung up on reading only association-related articles or Harvard Business Review and Fast Company. And I've really tried to change uh, what I'm looking at. So two of the best publications I'm reading right now, um, PricewaterhouseCoopers, which is in you know the CPA space, so a plug for the profession, has a great quarterly magazine, uh, Strategy and Biz. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would recommend it to anyone. It's not an expensive um, subscription. Uh, I also read the um, University of Toronto's Rotman School of Business journal. journal. Um, and it's just a different perspective than HBR and nothing against HBR, um, but just a different and more global perspective, which I thought was important. And then the last one is um, I just try to pick up what my people are reading. Hmm. So I know what's on their mind. I know what they're being exposed to so I can talk with them about it. And I have found that some of the things that I find most valuable, I didn't even know about. Um, and our people have access to that information. And as a result of not knowing about it, I wasn't asking about it or I wasn't open to it. And that was holding me and holding us back. So I would challenge any of us to not just look at what you think your peers are reading and your supervisors and others that you quote unquote aspire to, um, be around, but who are the people who are on your team that you recognize as some of your best future talent, and what are they exposed to, and what are they looking at, and what are they reading? Um, I found that to give me the best insight. Well, great. Those are all very, very good, very wise practices, and I, I particularly uh, identify with your um, before 8 a.m. Uh, practice. I find that's when I do uh, pretty much all of my best work and, and, and best thinking, it seems like. Um, so as we're wrapping up here, can you um, just let listeners know where they might be able to find you and, and find out about uh, the Ohio Society of, uh, of CPAs? Sure. I would love to connect with you personally uh, on Twitter at, at Scott D. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, or certainly you can follow the Ohio Society at, at OSCPA, and or check us out on the web at www.ohiocpa.com. Well, great. Scott, thanks so much for taking the time to talk today. Thanks, Jeff. Have a great day. So that's the end of our interview with Scott Wiley. As we're exiting, we'll mention our fall event, the Leading Learning Symposium, one more time. You can get information about that by going to symposium.leadinglearning.com. And thanks again to your membership for being the executive sponsor of the symposium and, by extension, sponsor of this episode of the podcast. You can find out more about your membership at yourmembership.com. To get show notes for this episode, just go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 52. And of course, while you're there, we'll hope you'll pay attention to the fact that there are various options for subscribing to the podcast. If you're getting value out of the podcast, we would be truly grateful if you would subscribe. We would also be grateful if you would take a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. You can do that by going to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. And we do appreciate it because it makes a world of difference in making sure that others can find this podcast. 
Finally, consider telling others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet if that's your thing simply by going to leadinglearning.com slash share. That'll automatically populate a tweet for you that you can just click send on. Or if you prefer other social networks in addition to Twitter or instead of Twitter, uh, go to those and just put in the good word about leading learning and send it out to your network. Thanks again. And we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.